So today we're, we're going to continue in our online series here at True North on the Synoptic Gospels. I hope you've been uh, enjoying this series, that it's been helpful for you. And today what we're going to do is take a look at one of the key ways that Jesus communicated the truth that he carried. That from wherever Jesus went, he would, he would bring teaching, he would bring truth about God's kingdom and how it could make a difference in the lives of people. And one of the ways that he chose to do that most regularly was by telling stories. And we've come to call the stories that Jesus told parables. And he would use parables to describe what the kingdom of heaven was like and how it could make a difference in the world and how Jesus's own kingdom mission was coming into being. And we see a wonderful uh, a wonderful expression of Jesus's stories all throughout the synoptics. So today we're going to take a look at how we, uh, how we recognize the parables, how we interpret the parables, and how we as modern day readers of God's word can really engage with the truth that Jesus is communicating through each of the parables that he tells. Now, what we're going to begin with is by identifying that within the Gospels themselves, there are a variety of parables that Jesus actually tells, and he uses different uh, different devices to communicate the different stories that he tells. So the first kind of parable that we see in Scripture is that of what we're going to call a true parable. And, uh, the, and uh, the reason we call them a true parable is because they're, they're like a true uh, a story that's told with a beginning, with a middle, with an end, and with, a, with a, an arc of plot that flows between them. And when we think about some of the parables that we've come across in Scripture, some of the examples uh, of these would be that of the Good Samaritan. It's a, it's a full story with a middle, with a beginning, with an end, with a plot. Think of other parables like the the lost sheep or the great banquet or the workers in the vineyard. They're, they're all true parables. They're stories that Jesus tells. Now, it's perhaps a good uh, a good time to interject that when we talk about true, uh, true parables, that one of the real distinctive of all the parables that Jesus told is they weren't actually real events, that they weren't real historical events that have happened in the life of Jesus that he's now recounting to his audience. They're stories that Jesus is telling in a in a very concrete context with a very real audience to communicate a very real plot, uh, uh, to communicate a very real idea about how God's kingdom has an impact in that situation. So anyway, there's true parables. Uh, there's a rich, full story. The The next kind of uh, parable that we see in the Synoptic Gospels is that of the similitude. And the, the similitude plays out a little bit differently to a true parable. And the idea of a similitude is when Jesus would take something from the world of his audience that contained some kind of similar quality to the kingdom of God and what Jesus was trying to communicate about what God's kingdom is like. And we find a great example of this in Matthew 13 and verse 31 and 32, where Jesus contrasts God's kingdom with that of a mustard seed. And he outlines that point of reference in his original audience as being the smallest of the garden seeds, the absolute smallest. But then when it grows and comes into maturity, it becomes the largest of the plants in the garden. And Jesus is communicating something about what God's kingdom is like by using the device of something that is similar in the world of his audience. And we see Jesus do this in great effect uh, throughout all of his teaching and all of his ministry. And then the final kind of parable uh, that we're going to look at uh, before before exploring this a little bit further is is that of parabolic sayings, where where Jesus will make a statement that relies heavily on the devices of metaphor and simile to communicate a truth about God's kingdom or to communicate a truth about who people are as part of God's kingdom. Uh, great examples of this we see in Matthew five verse thirteen and fourteen, where where Jesus makes this statement about who the believers in God are that they. They are the salt 
of the earth, that they are the light of the world. And Jesus is using metaphor and simile to, to really help people to understand who they are if they are a part of God's kingdom. And so those two words, salt and light, meant very real things in their world and it had a very real application to where they were. So Jesus all often also used the device of parabolic sayings to communicate and make statements about the realities of God's kingdom and those that are a part of his kingdom. So if we hear, we uh, build from this as a foundation, now we talk about, okay, we see, we see these different parables, we read these different parables. How do we then begin the process of exegeting them? And, uh, and, and that word or that process of exegesis is basically just the idea of how do we come to interpret the parables that we find throughout the gospel accounts? And it's, a, it's an important question. We've learned some things already. We know that parables, they weren't real historical events, but rather that they were stories that Jesus told to communicate truths about his kingdom in a very certain context. And as we think about engaging with parables and how we how we as readers today begin to engage with them, one of the first places that we have to start is, is recognizing that all of the parables that Jesus told, he tells in a real occasion, that there's a real audience, that there is a real reason for Jesus giving the parable, bringing that truth about God's kingdom. So all the parables, they begin with a context, they begin with an occasion. The next thing that we want to look at when we consider the parables is recognizing, number one, that this was given in an original context, with an original purpose, with an original audience. That is not our own. Then we have to go on and say, the next thing that, that Jesus will always do as he's, as he's telling parables is find that point of reference with the original audience. And so for us as readers, we need to do the same thing so that when we engage with the parables, we're looking for the point of reference that Jesus is using in the parable to communicate that truth about God's kingdom. Now, here's what's really important where we, where we can sometimes get stuck is that when we are reading the parables and looking for that point of reference, we're not looking for a point of reference immediately that applies to our world and our context. We're looking for the point of reference that applies to the world that Jesus lived in. For example, let's take a look at, at one of the one of the great parables that, that Jesus told, one of the true parables as we've defined them today, that of the Good Samaritan. So Jesus tells this story, uh, and, and for some of you, you may have heard it, it might be a new one, that, that a certain man is, is robbed and he's beaten on a particular robe and he's left, he's left half dead, naked, everything taken away from him, and he's left to die. And then Jesus says that there are three individuals that walk past the man, a priest, a Levite, and a Samaritan. Now, Jesus chooses these three archetypes of people, if you like, with, with real intentionality, and they had a distinct point of reference to the world that Jesus lived in that's different from our own. So when Jesus is talking to his Jewish audience, he introduces the idea of a priest, that a priest walked past this man in his need and just kept walking. Now, the priest held, held spiritual uh, authority and, and held spiritual rapport, if you like, within the context of the Jews. And, and the priest just walks past the need. He goes straight past it. And next we have the Levites, uh, who similarly are held in high regard in who they are as the people of God and the calling upon their life. Yet the Levite, too, walks past the man in his need until finally the Samaritan actually does something about it. Now, here's where we've got to see the clear point of reference, not to our world, 
but to Jesus as well. Now, the Samaritans amongst Jewish people were thought of with with quite a degree of negativity that was based, and this is summarizing and simplifying, but but based in the differences that they held around worship, the Samaritans worshipped in a way that was foreign and different and, and broken in the perspective of the Jews. So the Jewish people held Samaritans in quite low regard, that they weren't respected, that, that they were kind of culturally and socially shunned by the Jews. And so Jesus tells this story. He intentionally chooses the Samaritan as the one that's going to make a difference in this story. So you can see how in this story, and like in all parables, Jesus clearly articulates a point of reference to act as a trigger in the ears of his original audience. And as we're reading the parables, we've got to look for those triggers. We've got to look for what is the point of reference that Jesus is really hooking into here to get at the heart and soul of his original audience. So we're finding uh, as we engage with our parables to, to summarize as we continue on again. So we're looking for the occasion. What's the occasion that the parable is given in? What's the context of it? Why did Jesus give this story? Uh, and, and the example to go back again on the Good Samaritan, we find this in this story as well, that, that Jesus is questioned by a certain individual and says, who is my neighbor? Following on from the command to love my neighbor as myself. And then Jesus gives the story of the Good Samaritan in response to this question, what does it mean to love my neighbor? And so that's the occasion for the parable. Jesus gives the parable of the Good Samaritan in response to that question. And then we see the point of reference, the priest, the Levi, and now the Samaritan. And this would be answering the question of who is my neighbor? The one that is rejected, the one that is shunned is the one that becomes the hero of this story. And, uh, and that leads into the next thing that we've got to discover and learn to look for in our parables, particularly our true parables the ones with a with a plot is that that Jesus gives the parables an occasion he uh, he finds that point of reference he gives that point of reference and then he does something really cool he kind of switches the script on that expected point of reference so it's kind of like a bait and switch that Jesus will introduce something that's familiar to his audience but then they'll do the opposite of what his audience is expecting so so continuing an example of the Good Samaritan that as Jesus is giving that story and he says okay the priest and the Levite, they just move on by. And as he introduces the Samaritan, what his original Jewish audience might have been expecting to hear was then the, the Samaritan walked past and maybe kicked him or spat on him or tried to steal whatever else he could from him. That's what his audience might have been expecting Jesus to hear. But Jesus does the complete opposite. No, the Samaritan is the one that brings mercy, compassion, and renewal to this broken individual. The Samaritan is the one that carries the kingdom value and the kingdom of God in this particular story. So Jesus takes what is to be the expected reaction and he almost reverses it to deliver a profound truth about what God's kingdom is. Uh, another example of this and another one of our true parables is that of the prodigal son. So the prodigal son demands his inheritance early, which again is a point of reference to Jesus' original audience. That that was an incredibly shameful thing to do for a son to do on behalf of his father. And he, he demands the inheritance. He, he messes up. He kind of wrecks his life. And then when he comes home, the, the, the expected, <laughs> the expected, thing that the audience would have been expecting is that the father just rejects him and says, no, you took your inheritance early. You shamed our family. You shamed me. You are not coming back into this house. But of course, Jesus is revealing the kingdom of God and the kingdom heart of God. And the, the son is met with an overflow of love, of grace, of acceptance, of gifts, of, of honor and privilege. That Jesus does what is unexpected with the point of reference to reveal the truth about what God's kingdom is. 
So as we're reading, uh, reading and engaging with our parables, we look not just for the point of reference, but what does Jesus do uniquely with that point of reference to communicate the truth that he's aiming for? Then from that point, we, we've got to recognize that, that we as readers, we're, we're living in a different context. We're living in a different world where those points of reference don't always line up completely to our experience of what life is. So what we need to learn how to do is to recognize the principle that Jesus is bringing through the stories that he's telling and then take that principle and apply it to our lives. And you may have heard the idea of a timeless principle of Scripture so that Scripture exists in a context. It's given to an original audience. It's given with an original purpose in mind. But then through that, and I believe this is the the work and the power of God and the Holy Spirit through Scripture, is that there are principles preserved in Scripture for believers in Christ to take hold of and to apply to our lives. And this is always the, the, the task of engaging with scripture to say, Jesus, what are you speaking to me through this? This this emerges out of a context, but I find myself as in a in a different context as a follower of you, Lord. What do you have to, to speak to me through this? And it's this process of of refining and, and deciding and discerning what is the timeless principle contained within the scripture, within this parable that I can apply to my life. So as we, we think about these uh, four, four different things that we focused on, what, what I'd love to do in, in finishing today is actually take us to another story that we find in the, the Gospel of Luke. And, and I want to take a few minutes just to read it to you. And we're going to apply these four things to this parable that we're going to read. Uh, and then hopefully it can be something that we can all continue to do together in our readings of parables. And so we're going to go to Luke uh, chapter 7 and starting in verse 36, where, where Jesus is anointed by a sinful woman. And you'll find that uh, in your title if you're reading from an NIV. But, but let me read it to you quickly. When one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went uh, to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. Now, a woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. So she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. As she stood behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. Now, when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of a woman she is, that she is a sinner. Now, we're going to pause there for a moment. So, remember when we think about parables and Jesus is actually about to launch into a parable here. But what we have here in the passage is the occasion for the parable. So, remember, this is one of the first things that we've got to look for is what is it? What is the reason? What is the context? What is the occasion that Jesus gives the parable? And we find it here that Jesus has come to have dinner at a prominent Pharisee's house and then a a woman uninvited comes into the home and lavishly blesses Jesus, pours perfume, she's weeping, she's wiping uh, wiping his feet with her hair. It's this, this incredible moment. And, and the Pharisee has a reaction to it. He says, Jesus, this is shameful. If you, if you really were, were a prophet or something more, you would know how terrible this, this woman is and you would stop her. And so Jesus tells this story. He tells this parable. Let's listen to it together. Jesus answered him in verse 40, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two people owed money to a certain moneylender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. 
Neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he forgave the debts of both. Now, which of them will love him more? So here we have the response of Jesus to, to, to Simon's, uh, Simon's trouble with this whole moment and occasion. And Jesus gives a parable to explain Jesus' reaction to this situation. And so we see in the parable there he talks about two people that have a debt. Now, this is where we see Jesus using that relatable point of reference to his audience. And we know in this parable there's a very specific audience. There's Simon. And there's this woman that's described as being sinful. So here's the audience that Jesus is speaking into. And he has a very specific audience. He has a Pharisee named Simon who's struggling to reconcile with how Jesus is responding to this woman. And also there's the woman herself that's come before Jesus and now is going to experience the grace of Jesus. And he provides that grace through delivering this parable. So he says, okay, there's two debts here. A debt, something that everybody understood. Both of these individuals, you have a debt. This is what Jesus is describing to, to Simon and to this woman. And then he says the, the one who is indebted says he forgives both of them equally. He makes no distinction distinction between the larger debt or the smaller debt. Now, this is the, the point where Jesus kind of gives an unexpected twist to the story, that you would assume that that if someone had a, a larger debt that, that or, or a smaller debt, that it would be a bigger deal, a more significant thing to for, forgive this dramatic debt rather than this smaller debt. That, it, that There's a difference there, Jesus. There's a difference if I'm being forgiven five denarii or if I'm being forgiven 50 denarii. But Jesus says no. The one who the debt is owed looks at them both exactly the same and forgives both of them exactly the same, that there is no difference in the heart of God between the one that owes much and the one that owes little. But then Jesus, of course, is making some other points around this, that that also this woman who's been given this badge of sinful, she is completely redeemed and completely renewed as much as the Pharisee, who, who perhaps in the context of the story only needs to be forgiven a little. And then Jesus describes her response to that, that it's overflowing, that she, she gives of uh, this alabaster jar of perfume that had incredible value in her response to that grace and to that forgiveness. So Jesus gives the parable and here's how, here's how Simon replies. I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned toward the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? I came into your home. You did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little, loves little. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. And we'll leave it there in the story. So, so Jesus in this parable, we, we can see that there's, there's a context for why Jesus gives the parable. There's a point of reference in the two debts. There's an unexpected turn in how Jesus reveals that both debts are viewed equally by God, which is something hard to reconcile if you're in the position of the Pharisee, perhaps. And then for us, the, we take this and we've got to say, okay, this isn't my context, but what is the timeless truth within this parable that perhaps I can apply to my own life? And some of the things uh, and some of the, the links that we could draw is Jesus is talking about a heart of grace versus a heart of judgment. That what does it mean for me in my life to take hold of the principle that Jesus is portraying here in this parable 
to not think of myself more highly than others, to not think of others in different walks of life as having less value or thinking of, uh, of myself as being in a better off position morally or before God, because it's just not true. We see in scripture, and this is what Jesus is communicating about his kingdom, remembering that parables are always given as a vehicle of communicating God's kingdom and what it means for us, is that God sees each one of us exactly the same, that his grace is sufficient for each one of us. Whether we're forgiven of much, whether we're forgiven of little, we are completely renewed and forgiven in the sight of God and completely redeemed through Jesus. So parables are always about God's kingdom message, which comes into light and we see in a whole new lens, knowing the the story and the power of the resurrection and the new covenant that we hold in Christ. And the parables come alive in the knowledge of the resurrection in terms of what Jesus is communicating. So hopefully these uh, these little ideas around parables will be uh, an encouragement for you as you're engaging in your own readings and to think through some of these layers as we, we start to engage with these incredible moments of teaching throughout the Gospels as Jesus brings these parables. So I encourage you again just to continue to, to get into your Bibles, to get into the Gospel stories and, and to think about in a deeper way, why is Jesus telling these stories? Who is he telling them to? What are the points of reference? What, what are the twists that he's bringing to the stories? And what is God revealing about his kingdom in my life? And how might I respond?